Great stuff. Great to be together this morning. And we had a great time last night. We, this uh, month we'll be looking at missions and the area of the church stretching uh, our arm out and our hand out to reach beyond where we are and to reach out globally. Over the years we've done a tremendous amount in various ways. God has always given us divine connections. And as God has given us divine connections, so we've opened the door. Uh, God has opened the door for us and we've been able to go to places and do things that are quite extraordinary. So over the many years since we've been here as a church, even from the second year we were here, our teams went to Tonga to do building over there and evangelism outreach. Teams went to the Cook Islanders as Cook Island people came into the church. In fact, he's going back up there shortly to the Cook Islands to preach for three weeks. It'll be fantastic. And uh, then God opened up Singapore and from there Malaysia and Indonesia and uh, Philippines and then Taiwan and China. And uh, many, many doors have opened over the years. Uh, we also got open up doors for us up into Ukraine and Eastern Europe and then back up into Israel. So the church over many years has always had a, 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 an activity. It's like Joseph, the branches go over the wall. And uh, even though we may not be uh, great in numbers compared to many churches in the world, our influence is well beyond what we have uh, in terms of numbers. And it's just because we've got great people, great church, church that's willing to give, church that's willing to sow, church that believes in the great harvest and catches God's heart for something bigger. It's called the kingdom of God. And so God has opened up for us another avenue. We've seen last week, two weeks, we've talked about China and what's happening in China, the tremendous work that's happening there. Uh, if, if you weren't there, I encourage you to get the brochures, have a, dis discover what's going on in it. But today I want to talk about Pakistan and what's been happening in Pakistan. So let's give Dave and Kate a great welcome as they come up and share about Pakistan. Wonderful. It's great to see you all here this morning. How are you? It is such a, uh, it's a, such a, uh, a nice thing to be able to stand in front of a church with not having armed guards on the side of the stage carrying Klesnikovs or, or short pump-action shotguns, just in case. <laughs> so it is very nice to see you all here this morning. And uh, God has done some incredible things uh, through us as a church. And uh, just as I was thinking before, um, you know, uh, many of us have, have prophesied or have heard prophecies for years uh, God, give us nations. Lord, bring people into the house. Lord, Lord give us nations for our inheritance. And, uh, and I was thinking, a uh, similar thing happened to Abraham when God gave him a, a promise that he, he would multiply and he'd be a great blessing to nations. But after that, what happened was he went through a whole period of trials and, and discouragement and family troubles and financial troubles and different troubles. And one day he's in the house, he's in his tent, and he's saying this, he's... he's, he's, he's praying to God and uh, having a bit of a moan. And then God said to him, Abraham, get out of the tent. <laughs> Step outside of the tent and look at the stars and that is your inheritance. That, as much as you can number the stars, that is your inheritance. And um, this is a typical mentality that I've been challenged with that many times we are, it, it's a good thing that we, we, we invite people to church, that we invite people to the house. But this here this morning, this is just part of church. This is a, it's a church meeting. The house of God is in our hearts. And essentially what Isaac TV is all about is this. It's about taking what God has placed in our hearts, not bringing people to a, a building, but taking the presence and the power of God that is in our hearts 
and taking it to thousands and thousands and thousands of people all around the world. And that's essentially what we're about, taking the presence of God into the millions of homes into nations. And uh, we are just so excited about what God has been able to do uh, through us as a church. And uh, I've just spent the last month in Pakistan and uh, had such an incredible time there. We celebrated our first anniversary of Isaac TV going on air. And uh, so we're just so excited about that. And just to recap for those of you that are not too sure about what we're doing, Isaac TV is uh, Pakistan's first Christian satellite TV station. And we broadcast to 65 countries. And that's just an incredible thing. Now, Pakistan is essentially this. Pakistan is the gateway to the whole Middle East. It is the country that connects the, uh, the, the Asian continent with the Middle Eastern continent. And as many of us know, it's in the Middle East that most of the time is in the news and most of the time we have our eyes and ears upon and that's where all the conflict areas are. And uh, so Pakistan is not just a... Um, our ministry is not confined just to Pakistan, but we're using Pakistan as a gateway to access into places like Afghanistan, Saudi Arabia, uh, uh, Iran, Iraq, Israel, uh, right across even into Europe. And uh, so our, our, our TV station spans 65 countries. And, uh, and, out of, and also we have a, a web streaming, which uh, for those people that are, aren't in our coverage area, they can watch it live on air. And so that goes basically all around the world. So essentially we're getting responses now from all over the Middle East, uh, and, and not just confined to our coverage area, but we also receive calls from places like New York, and across to the UK and even down to Australia. And uh, so we're just absolutely blown away by how, uh, figuratively speaking, <laughs> about what God has been able to do. And uh, the Holy Spirit is just moving powerfully. We do not uh, water down the gospel. We don't do anything like that. But we demonstrate and show the, the raw power of the Holy Spirit. And uh, as a result, we are now getting over 2,000 responses every single day from our coverage area. Now, these responses are not just they're not just phone calls. Or th these are real human beings that are being touched by the presence and power of the Holy Spirit. They're real people just like you. Same struggles many of you guys face. And they're being touched and they're responding to the presence of the Lord. 2,000 on average every single day. Come on. It's incredible. And these are just the responses that we know of. Now we understand that these are just the people that can phone in and email in. So we know that on top of that, the gospel is going to millions of more people than we could... Uh, uh, it's just simply countless. Uh, but it's a lot... It is, like, like Jesus said, like God said, it was as far as the, number, as far as the, the stars, that's how much you can count. So we're reaching an incredible amount of people. And uh, so some of the people that have been phoning up, uh, we, we recently had a, uh, an imam while I was there, an imam from a very, very large mosque in Islamabad. And uh, his son has been troubled with, uh, with demon spirits. He's, uh, uh, he's, got some, uh, he's got some mental issues. And uh, the imam phoned up, live on air. This is who I am. This is where I'm from. This is my son. He's got a problem. I'm asking if you could please pray for him because uh, we need a touch of God upon his life. And uh, so, uh, Pastor Anwar and myself were able to pray for him live on air and broadcast that to millions of people. <laughs> This is an imam. This is like somebody who's been trained in Islam for years and years and years and coming to a man of God that is filled with the power of the Holy Spirit, wanting prayer, wanting ministry. This is just what we've been praying for for years. We had somebody else. We had a, um, we had a, a, a robber. Now, this, this guy here, he was, uh, he was 
very, uh, he was a big robber. He was about to commit a major robbery, or he, or he was in the process of doing so. And uh, anyway, he, he saw Isaac TV. He saw, he saw the TV station being broadcast right when he was, he was planning his, his evil plan. And, uh, and Pastor Amar was preaching. He's saying that robbers shall not enter into the kingdom of God or, or something along those lines. And he saw this, and he listened, and he oh, that, I don't want that. And so he repented right there on the spot, right on the spot, and he phoned in, and he wanted to donate all his high-tech weaponry to the ministry. So uh, we've we'll, we'll got some guns going on trade me for sale shortly. But, uh, and so, yeah, of course, this is just two people whose lives are uh, being absolutely transformed by, by the power of God. And uh, so we've just been uh, just so amazed. And uh, so over the 2,000 responses, at least 50% of these responses are coming from places like Saudi Arabia, right in the heart of Islam, and places like Mecca, where you and I, we would have to go to extreme measures just to be able to even get into that place. Whereas right now, through the power of TV, we could broadcast this message, this service here right now, we could broadcast this within, within an hour into millions of homes through Saudi Arabia. How about that? So this is the power of, uh, of what you and I are involved in. And so we're getting calls from Mecca, Medina, uh, places like Libya, and all across, the, all across these um, various nations, and uh, from people hungry for the reality of the, of, of the power of Jesus Christ, hungry for hope. And uh, we have a number of people in our church and, and the people around us that have just been uh, just really badly uh, persecuted and uh, needing a message of hope. And uh, a lot of the imams out there today, they are, uh, for those of you um, that may know that uh, in Islam, once you go to heaven, there's a particular reward, I think about 70 of them, waiting for you in heaven. But what, what a lot of these imams are doing is uh, of wanting their reward now here on earth. And so there's a huge amount of um, uh, not very nice things happening to, to some, many, many of the kids and uh, many of the young girls and boys. So uh, many of these people just living without hope or and tormented by demon spirits and got no way, uh, have no idea how to get set free. And when they see the gospel, when they hear the gospel, and hear that there's a, a way out, there's, a, there's some a solution to being free of this tormenting spirit, they respond to the gospel of Jesus Christ. And uh, so we're just, uh, just incredibly grateful for your giving, for your partnering with us, because every one of those people that respond, you have an ownership in that. If you prayed, if you sowed financially, you have an investment in there. You are part of the solution. And uh, so we want to thank you so much for your investment, your kindness and your love for us. And we've only just begun. <laughs> This is only just the beginning. We want to keep growing and keep growing because we know how effective what we are doing is. And uh, one of the things we also started there last, last year was a hospital. Uh, it's going quite well, and we're looking at uh, starting a new one. And one of the things that happens with a lot of uh, Christians is they, uh, they, we don't have the, the laws like we have here in New Zealand. For example, discrimination laws, there's no such thing over there. There's no such thing as ACC or... or any of those things that we have here, there's nothing of those there. And so if you're a Christian, if, if you become a Christian or you are a Christian, you can lose your job just like that. And even many hospitals won't treat a Christian. And, uh, and so what we've decided to do is we've started, to, uh, we've started up a factory. Kate and I have, have personally set up a, a clothing factory in Pakistan now. 
And so what we're believing to do is to, is to grow that company, grow that factory, and so we can employ uh, Christians, employ uh, our brothers and sisters that are, either have lost their jobs and got no hope of paying the bills. Um, and we want to, find, we want to get, provide employment for them. Uh, for example, if you cannot pay your bill, if you have a bill that you cannot pay, they don't just send you to the East Coast Credit, credit Control. You can get locked up just like that. So if, if I owe you money and uh, I can't pay, uh, you can have me locked up in jail for as long as it takes for me to pay that bill, whether it's a big amount or a small amount. The thing is, if you're in jail, you can't earn a living. So some of these people, are, uh, even Christians, are locked up in jail, got no hope of getting out, and uh, their families are born into slavery. And uh, so it's our heart to be able to start up a factory, to start to employ Christians, to employ our brothers and sisters. We also would like to start a school in our factory to start to provide education for, our, for, for, the, uh, for the workers that come and also for their children that come as well. So this is uh, on our heart, is not only to preach the gospel, but actually to be a hope and to, be, to give people, our brothers and sisters, a life uh, for the future. Give them some sort of hope for the future. I can't meet everyone of their needs, but I can do some. I can, do, uh, I can provide something for them. And if enough of us come together, we can provide a, a lot of hope for a lot of people. And so, so we're just incredibly grateful for your giving and for your support to us. Come on, why don't you give the Lord a shout of praise this morning. Part of, uh, part, of, uh, part of our heart for being here in Hastings is we, we believe that God has got something very special in Bay City. I believe that God has done something special in your lives here today. Every one of you here today has a story about how God has touched your life. Everybody here has got something to give. And the beauty about TV is this. We can capture that and broadcast that to millions and millions of people. You know, there are people out there today that need to hear the story of what God has done in your life. They can listen to the preacher, but the, the most impact is coming from ordinary people like you and I. Having, people hear the testimonies of God working in our lives and responding to that. So we would love to, uh, we're just planning on setting a studio up here, we're getting, getting recording gear, and in a very short amount of time, we're going to start to be re- recording programs from here, Pastor Mike's teachings, various teaching and various ministry, but I want to get you guys on TV and broadcast what we have here in Bay City into millions of, uh, millions of homes. Does that sound exciting? Come on. It's going to be great. Come on, you've got to get out of the tent and look out at the stars, look out at the universe and see the greatness of what we can do. As long as we stay in the tent, we'll get cabin fever. You've been in the tent too long, you start itchy and scratching and biting one another. That's what happens. So we want to get out of the tent. But I've got some uh, very special friends here today that I'd love to introduce to you. And uh, Anton and Anne have, uh, have actually known each other just over a year now. And, uh, but they've become incredible friends and incredible partners in, in what we're doing with Isaac TV. And uh, God is just doing an incredible work in their lives. So I'd love uh, Anne and Anton, if you'd like to come up and why don't we just give them a big welcome. And uh, Anton is just going to briefly share, just uh, from his perspective, uh, just the impact of Isaac TV and uh, what we are sewing in together as a team. Anton, Dr. Holy Spirit. (laughs) (laughs) Well, Dave's done a really good job of telling you guys about Isaac TV. Um, Your pastor, Pastor Mike, made a comment before on stage here about divine appointments. And 
our coming together as a divine appointment because a lot of you don't realise, but Anne and I were married here in Hastings. We met in Hastings and we were married at the AOG in Hastings, in Flaxmere. And very early on in our married life, we attended this church when it was down St. Albans Street. Is that right, Mike? Yep. And it had a congregation of 35 or 40 people. And our first prophecy ever was from Mike. And we had that scrawled on a little tiny piece of torn off paper. And it was kept very dearly in the back of one of our Bibles, which, by the way, stayed shut for 25 years. (laughs) And um, we travelled New Zealand and got into different business things. And when we came back to God two years ago, um, my wife went to the Bible and pulled out the prophecies as God had told her to do and read the prophecies. And those prophecies took 25 years to come to pass, but every single thing that was in those prophecies that Mike had given came to pass in both of our lives. It was quite a very true story. So just a bit over a year ago, God brought us together again and gave us the heart to, to help Isaac TV and help the Islamic movement in... Um, the world come to know the love of Jesus Christ. Now, we don't go over there laying down the law about God or Jesus. It's not like that at all. It's certainly about the love that Jesus has. That is the only thing that will change their hearts, is the love that we have for them as people. The love that we have for Jesus and the love that Jesus has for them. And this is a triangle that we need to get through to them. And that is the power. That is the absolute power, is that Four-lettered word, love, L-O-V-E. Now, as Dave says, you know, we get on that live Isaac TV. I don't know if any of you have seen it. It's called Winning Souls Program. And there was another one that we heard when we were over there where this guy was a Taliban man and he rang up, but he was whispering. And he said, please don't tell my name over the air, but the Taliban are outside and they will kill me. They will literally kill me if they knew I was on the phone to you guys now. Can you please pray for me? We are in desperate need. This isn't a desperate need because they've got no money. This isn't desperate need because they've got no food or water. This is life. This is his life. And he, they will just come in with the machetes and go bang and walk away. There's no hesitation. The Pakistan itself is full of fear. You know, Dave mocks and, and jokes about the guns, but the guns are a very real part of what we are over there. They make it exciting. They make it powerful. But they are very real, and it's a very real fear that we have. But we don't have that fear lightly, because as um, Elisha said to his servant, open his eyes that he may see what I see. God, open our eyes that we may see the chariots of fire all around protecting us and the power that we hold with the Holy Spirit. So it's not a fear that we take with us, but it is a, a, a tangible, tangible fear there. Pakistan is but just a little bit. I believe Isaac TV to be the arrowhead of an arrow, and we are the shaft. And as the shaft's roll, to send that arrowhead directly to where it's supposed to go. But Isaac TV is getting literally into Mecca. Now, Mecca is the holiest of holy places in the Islamic world. And Dave said it would be some miracle for us to get in. I can tell you now, not one person in this room would be able to get in to Mecca without denouncing Jesus Christ. We just would not be able to do it. It's just impossible to do it. Isaac TV is getting in there now, right now, and phone calls are coming out of Mecca asking about Jesus, out of Mecca. It was 
the last trip, because we've done two trips there now, we've come back a month ago, my wife and I, and we spent four, four days in Dubai, and we were going around churches in Dubai, and we had brought the pastor Anwar over to Dubai with us, and we'd minister in these places. And we went to one church, which was a two-hour drive out of Dubai there, and there was about 300 in the congregation, and the question was asked, who here watches Isaac TV? It would, it would be easier to say 10 hands did not go up, because it is such a watched television station throughout the Middle East, throughout the hotspots of this world, throughout the needy areas where people are living on knife's edge, where, like I said, it is not about food, it is not about money, it's not about anything, it is about living, it is about life itself. It is life in itself, the fear that they walk in because of, of the world that they live in. And we need to show them the spiritual world. We need to teach them the world that we walk in, how we walk with Jesus Christ and we see and we walk with those chariots of fire. I don't know if he left anything for me to say, <laughs> but it's really nice to be here. It's, it's really a wonderful privilege to see the journey that God has taken us on journey that's taken nearly 28 years, but he's accomplished what he said he would. You know, we, we refer to our time of wandering around as our 25 years in the wilderness, but when God has his hand on your life, it doesn't matter what happens, you, you're going to come back. So be encouraged, you know, if you've got sons and daughters that are away from God, you keep praying because they're coming back. We had a daughter who prayed for us. And, uh, and God, he got his way. He brought us back and, and he connected us with Dave that night um, a, a year ago. When we went to a meeting. God had told us he had something special for us. So we went to this meeting and I started talking to this nice young man that I didn't really know, never seen him before. <laughs> no, he didn't have his Taliban bed then. And, <laughs> and um, I found out his name was Dave and he was from Hastings. And then I called Anton over and he said, Oh, what's your name? Dave Connell. You don't know Mike Connell, do you? Yeah, it's my dad. He's speaking tonight. So we were just like, wow, thank you, God. This is so exciting. We were really happy to see Mike again after all that time. And that was the night we heard about the work in Pakistan and that Dave and his wife and family were going to go over there. God planted a seed in our heart that night and it wasn't very long before that, after that, that, that we realised that we were being called to go. And this is just so amazing because I remember my prayers going something like this, God, if there's anything you want, I'm it. I'll do it. I'll go anywhere. I'll do what you want, God. I just want to be used by you. You know, so if you pray that, be sure you want to do it because I'm a housewife from Auckland and I never imagined that I would be going to speak to crowds of 20,000 people, mostly Muslim, and seeing them come to know Jesus and see the power of God. But it's really awesome and I just am so thankful that that God is good and that, that we followed his will and we're here today. So thank you. I saw that housewife on TV moving in the power of the Holy Spirit to millions of people. <laughs> thank you very much. Pastor Mike. Um, just a little bit about Isaac TV and just the environment. And it's just a very short video clip that will just give you an idea that we're not, uh, our TV station is not, uh, is not the Ritz. <laughs> it's, it's not extravagant or anything like that, but it's functional and it works. And uh, so if we've got that, just that, that one video clip.
on its way. On its way. Uh, not today, maybe. <laughs> okay, we're gonna get, we're gonna get it. There we are. Lights back up. Praise the Lord. Praise the Lord. Praise the Lord. So we may get it. We may not. You never know. There are marvels at doing these things. Listen, you know, this is a great door that God has opened to us as a church. I want to first of all just begin by honouring every person who sacrificially gave to make possible the television station coming into existence. There was no one really supporting it in any way uh, before we came along. And God made a divine connection, gave us a privilege, it's actually a privilege, of being able to give and to cause the television station to be able to move from being a small... Uh, uh, station that was just a cable TV, just a one room and operating on a cable to one city to something that now broadcasts the gospel right through the Muslim world. I think it's a great privilege to have been able to do that. I want to thank each person that sowed because that's sowing. That would have been the best investment you've ever made sowing into that because the work is just going to continue and continue and continue. And uh, I just want to just honour you all for that and for the way that God provided through us in a time of recession the ability to be able to fund a full television station to get up and going, the ability to be able to fund missionaries to go up there and to help get the thing established on the way. So where we're at now with the station and what we need to do now is this. I've talked with Pastor Amwar and talked with Dave and talked and looked at the need that's there. Essentially, they've got the equipment to make the television station going and they're making the station going. There appear to be two major needs now. Number one is the need for finance to keep the station broadcasting because they have satellite fees to pay. Number two are quality programs to be able to, uh, um, be able to broadcast right through. So uh, what I believe is a church that we should do in this next season, and, and remember these things are all seasonal. You have a season where you're doing things and then the season changes. So this current season, I believe we should stand with uh, Pastor Amwar at this time and as a church, what we want to do is help the station succeed. And uh, we can do that in two ways. One way that we can do it is by providing finance on a regular basis, a little bit every week, from every one of us, to be able to ensure that the station broadcasts the gospel. So every dollar that we give will go to broadcast the gospel. That's a good investment. Every dollar will go to broadcast the gospel, and we know it's anointed, good soil. It's going to produce great results. Second thing we can do is to produce programs that will enable the gospel to go out. And so we want to do that as well. The messages that you enjoy every week, we want to have them and other messages and other testimonies. We want to broadcast those out as well. So that's our two commitments that we're making. And uh, so as a church, we're going to arise and uh, we have a brochure here, a white brochure, which we'll give out at the end of the meeting, which just spells out just our commitment to uh, give to Isaac TV to keep it on the air and there's a slip at the back that you could just make a pr you could just decide how you want to participate in that. There's also another brochure that describes the work that Dave is going to be doing from this point on. Uh, when Dave went up to Pakistan with his family, with Kate and his family, we sent them as missionaries from the church, fully supported working up there and uh, since he's returned he's been acting uh, on behalf of uh, Isaac TV now acting as their representative to seek to expand their financial support base through New Zealand and other countries. And uh, so Dave will be seeking support as well. There's a second brochure, and uh, that brochure is Isaac TV brochure. It describes the work that Dave uh, will be doing and uh, his family supporting him in over this next year. So at the end of the meeting, take the brochures away, have a read, and begin to just weigh up in your heart, God, how would you want us to give? 
and how do you want me to respond? And I believe that God will meet all the needs exactly the way we need it to be. But remember, when we're doing this, we're sowing in for kingdom advance. And I am excited to see the response. Oh my, I'm excited. I don't think there's anything this big we've ever been a part of. This morning I, I opened up a little brochure and I had a look at the uh, picture of John Wondera's building, which looks like it's about as big as our building. It's a monstrous building. And thought we planted the seeds that got that great work going. And now we know we've planted the seeds that's got millions in the world hearing the gospel. I think we just need to water the seed a bit longer and see what God will do. You say amen to that? Praise the Lord. So at the end of the service, just get one of these brochures, pray, consider, write down if you're husband and wife, be in agreement together about what to do. Then over the next couple of weeks, we have an opportunity to act. Praise the Lord. Well, I want you to open your Bible with me. I want to share something from the Word of God. How many enjoyed last week when we shared? You get touched by that? I want to pump it up another level this week. And uh, so I'd like you just to uh, have a look with me in Luke chapter 19. Luke chapter 19. I felt the Lord just prompt me to keep on the same theme. And so our message is partnership for kingdom advance. Partnership for kingdom advance. So some things will be similar or repeated, but there'll be some fresh things in it too. And what I'm going to share today is, is a powerful message to get your perspective and vision to lift up for your life. As David said, one of the problems is you get in a tent, you get camp fe cabin fever, you need to lift up and see the bigger picture. Luke chapter 19, uh, verse 11. Now, Jesus, they heard these things. Jesus was teaching. And then he spoke another parable because he was near Jerusalem because they thought the kingdom of God would appear immediately. So therefore he said, a certain nobleman went to a far country to receive himself a kingdom and to return. And he called ten of his servants and delivered to them ten uh, pounds. And he said to them, do business, occupy till I come. But his citizens hated him and sent delegation after him saying, we'll not have this man to rule over us. And so it was when he returned, having received the kingdom, he commanded his servants to whom he'd given the money to know to be called to him and to, that he might know how much each man had gained by trading. And then the first came and said, Master, your pound has earned 10 pounds. Whoa, well done, good, and ser good servant, because you're faithful and very little, have authority over 10 cities. Second came, saying, Master, your pound has earned five. He said, Likewise, you also be over five cities. Another came and said, Master, here is your pound. I kept it. I didn't lose it. I held on to it, and here it is. I feared you because you're an austere man. You collect what you didn't deposit, reap what you didn't sow. And he said, Well, out of your own mouth I judge you. You're a wicked servant or you have a bad influence. You knew I was an austere man and collected what I, didn't, I did not deposit, or even what I didn't sow. Why didn't you put my money in the bank that at my coming I might have collected interest? Then he said something which is a, a real shock to a socialist. And he said to him who stood by, take the pound from him and give it to the one who's got ten. And they said, Lord, but, 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 but he's already got ten. Why would you give him the one? He said, well, he said, I tell you that everyone, notice this, this is how Jesus applies that principle. Everyone that has, more will be given. He said, and, even, and, and from him who does not have, even what he has will be taken from him. He's talking about ears to hear and respond to what God is saying. So I want to go through the parable and open it up, and I'm not going to go through every detail of it. I want to expand out your thinking. Most people, when they read it, think this is the same as the one of the talents. Actually, it isn't. It's a completely different story and a completely different situation. In the first one on the parable of the talents, the question was raised, when are you coming? And that's the context with which Jesus brought the parable of the talents. This one is brought about because of a different reason. 
and the reasons found in the first verse. They were moving towards Jerusalem and the disciples had an expectation that was unrealistic. Their expectation was this. They expected that Jesus would come in glory and power, overthrow the Romans, set his kingdom up in Jerusalem, rule the earth from Jerusalem, and they were about, they were within a week of positions of power and authority and glory and influence. And this is what was really in their heart. They just wanted, they just wanted to be with Jesus and they wanted not to necessarily fulfill what Jesus wanted. They wanted the glory that could come being there next to him in his rule through, from Jerusalem. And so because they had all these agendas going on, that's why Jesus spoke the parable. He spoke it because they thought the kingdom would appear immediately, and so he tells them actually the time frame of which this is going to happen. So this parable is prophetic in that a part of it has happened and a part has yet to happen. It's the bit that's yet to happen, and where you are right now is the important bit to take note of. So therefore a certain nobleman went to a far country to receive for himself a kingdom and return. Nobleman is a man of noble birth or rich or wealthy birth, a person who's born into a great family, that is Jesus Christ. Jesus is the nobleman. And he's saying the nobleman went to a far country. He's ascended into heaven to receive for himself a kingdom. So Jesus left heaven, came to earth, gave up every right, every privilege he had, was born as a child in a manger, and then because of faithful service, when he entered heaven, all things were given into his hand. You notice after his death and resurrection, he says, all authority in heaven and earth is mine. In other words, after he died and rose from the dead, he had received his kingdom. And uh, it says, notice that he said, uh, so to, re- to, uh, to receive for himself a kingdom and to return. And uh, so we see then this is a parable about Jesus' return. Now notice that the servants in this story, everyone gets the same deal. The parable of the pounds, one guy got five, one guy got two, one guy got one. But in this one, everyone gets one. The playing base or what they start with is all the same. So they all get an equal opportunity, an equal uh, uh, chance to do something. And notice what the, the master says. He says, occupy or trade until I come. Or in other words, Jesus repeated it a different way in Matthew 28 when he said, go into all the world, preach the gospel, make disciples and uh, baptizing people in the name of the Father, Son, and the Holy Ghost. And so Jesus' mandate to go to the world and change the world is what he means when he says to the servants, occupy till I come. Or simply this, every servant and the servant, a servant is a follower of Christ. So you and I, when we've come to Christ, we're followers of Christ. Every servant is mandated, occupy till Jesus comes. A Christian who is not actively serving God is already disqualified from what comes next. There is no place for spiritual unemployment in the kingdom of God. There is no dole in the kingdom of God. There, is serv- there are servants occupying till Jesus comes. That word occupies the word trade or take what you have. Well, I don't have much. It's not important what you have. Take what you have and use what you have, doing what you love, to advance the kingdom of God. God's plan has been and always will be that the whole world will be restored. He does not want to take you out of the world. He does not want to disconnect you from society. He wants His church actually to be salt and light, to penetrate and have a, an influence that impacts lives and changes the society. 
So there it is. We're all given a thing to make change society, make disciples of nations. There it is. And notice then the master will return. So this is the bit that hasn't yet happened. But here's the thing. There are two things which form a basis for hope for every Christian. Here's what they are. Number one, he will return. He will return. Number two, he will reward. So the question is, do I qualify for any reward when he returns? Because it's at the return that the rewards are given. And uh, so we need to then have a look. And I want to share with you some key insights from the parable. And I want you to expand in your thinking a little bit about what you may think about Christianity, what you may think about what God is doing. I want to lift your thinking a little bit. And I can't, because of limits of time, develop a lot of this. So I'll say many things without going through scriptures to open the scripture out. I encourage you to search scripture and to begin to look at these things. So here's the first thing. God, first thing is, God invites every person to become great in his kingdom. You are called to become great. Uh, another, way, another way, you are called to a divine purpose. But your purpose is the pathway to greatness. God wants you to be a great person. He wants you to be a great person. He's put it in you. No one wants to be insignificant. No one wants to have a life that accounted for nothing. There's something rebels in us because inside we're wired for greatness. We're wired for it. God put it in you. He invites you to greatness. Here's the deal. You and I determine the measure of greatness in our life. Oh, well, I haven't got an opportunity. I haven't got this. I haven't got that. Or I come from this family. I lack education. Listen, none of that has any bearing on greatness. Your greatness is your choice. It's part of what you can do. We'll show a little bit about the part for it. I want you to understand that in the kingdom of God, not all are equal. I want you to understand this very clearly. In heaven, not all are equal. And certainly in the coming kingdom, the millennial reign of Christ, not all will be equal. That's why if you think you could just distribute everything to everyone and then hope that it'll all just work out, it doesn't work that way because in the end, uh, the ones who had a lot still get a lot. The ones who didn't have much still end up with not much. It's got something to do with what's in them. Okay, let's have a look in Matthew. I'll just quickly hold your place here. We'll come to Matthew chapter uh, 5, verse 19. Whoever Jesus is talking about, and he's, this is Matthew 5, 6, and 7. This is the Sermon on the Mount, an amazing sermon where Jesus explains what it takes to be great. Go back and have another look. He talks about what it takes to be great. He talks about the specific challenges that will erode you and stop you being great and he tells you the things to do to become great. How about that? Now, I want you to see this. He says in verse 19, Whoever breaks one of these commandments and teaches men so shall be called least in the kingdom of heaven and whoever does and teaches them he shall be called great in the kingdom of heaven. Now, notice here that the themes of greatness and reward are right through Jesus' teaching. Everywhere you look through Jesus' teaching, if you'll open your eyes, you'll see him talking about greatness and how to be great, and you'll see him talking about rewards and having rewards. Now, notice what that scripture says, that in the kingdom there are some who are least. There are some who are great. There's nothing could be clearer in scripture that in the kingdom of God there are some who are least, some who are great. And if you're full of rejection, you probably say, well, I'm just happy to be least. This is nonsense. You're called to great. Why settle for least? 
Why settle for scraping in? Why set? I'll tell you why people settle for little, because they don't know what's at stake. If you knew what was at stake, you'd never settle for little. And see, for the church has remained in a darkness for decades because it hasn't understood that actually it's about eternity, not all about just our life on this earth. And so you notice there we're called to be great. Now, our rewards in eternity differ. The Bible's very clear. It says in the resurrection, even in the resurrection, it says there are various levels naturally. One star differs from another in glory. So it shall be in the resurrection. So when people are resurrected, even in resurrection, the measures of glory are different. In the book of Revelation, verse chapter 90, verse 5, Praise be to God, all you servants of His, and those who fear Him, both small and great. So, in the kingdom of heaven, you've got to understand this. There is small, and there's least, and there's great. And you say, well, I'm just happy to be the small. No, 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 no. Actually, if you're small and least, it's because you chose to. It's not because God called you that. He called you to greatness. He called us all to greatness. He called us all to be great. He called us to be significant with our life. And he demonstrated how to become great. Greatness is connected to your heart attitudes. That's why when Jesus was preaching this, he was talking about the Beatitudes. They are the attitudes that make a person great. It's not how much money you have. It's not the position you have. It's not the role you have in the church. It's not the role you have in the community. Greatness is developed inside. Greatness is found within you. It's not seen externally. In fact, the greatness within you is concealed from everyone. But it will be revealed at the coming of the Lord. And we will get some huge surprises at who is great in God's eyes. You may think that you're great in the eyes of people or whatever, but it's whether we're great in God's eyes. That's what counts. It's not what people think of you. That's what so many people are caught up with this one thinking this one and what they think about them. But God, we need to be concerned, what does God think about me? God is watching everything. Hebrews tells us everything in your life is opened and exposed. He sees your thoughts, your emotions, your fears, your pains, your motives, your struggles, your quiet victories. He sees it all and He watches you day by day to see if you're developing greatness. No one can see that. Oh, you can see someone preaching. That doesn't mean they're great. Well, they might be a great preacher. It doesn't mean they're great in the kingdom of heaven. They'll just be a good communicator. They may have a great TV ministry. It doesn't mean they're great. You see, we don't know what greatness is. Only God can assess that. And I'll, I'll give you some basis for assessment in a moment. So notice here what Jesus says, Luke 19. I'll go back there again, verse 13. He says, do business till I come. So our job is to be busy. Now, I want you to get a perspective on it. Your life on earth, should it be beyond 70 years, is going to be great. But your life, the Bible tells you, given 70 years, maybe longer. Suppose we say 100 years. Suppose we live 100 years. Well, Bill's about 94, so that there you go. Bill's going on fine. He's talking to me this morning about Jesus feeling his love and needing to deal with stuff in his heart and life. 94, dealing with stuff in his heart related to his background. That's because God is on him, see? see? So I want you to get this. Here is your preparatory assignment. It lasts maybe 100 years if you're lucky. Here is your primary assignment in the 1,000-year rule and reign of Christ on the earth. The assignment you have in this life well, I'm not doing anything about it. No, 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 no. You are preparing for your primary one. 
And how you look before men in your preparatory one has got nothing to do with what you look like in the kingdom in your primary one. So everyone gets caught up. I've got to find my dream and my purpose and blah, 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 blah. And all of that's wonderful. But listen, you've got to realize this life is only your preparatory thing. See, the real deal, the primary mission is that thousand years ruling and reigning with Christ. That is the big deal. But most Christians don't even know about it. They just plot on. But you need to know about it. You need to have a perspective that's eternal. Because if you have an eternal perspective, something that lasts a thousand years on this earth, by the way, and then goes on for eternity, you will change what you do in every area of your life because you won't be thinking about today and how I get through today and my little problems with it. You'll be thinking, what am I doing to prepare for my eternity? This is what this parable is about. And he gives us some other uh, uh, things about it. So 70 years of your, or 80 years or 100 years of your life on earth, there are just basically two questions you've got to consider. Number one, will I love Jesus and be part of his family? Number one, because if you don't, it's going to be a very difficult time for you all through eternity. So that's number one. So we've got most of us here are Christians. So there's the second one. Here's the second one. The second one is, will I reign and have authority with Christ during a thousand years and throughout eternity? Or putting it another way, what degree of greatness will I have in eternity? What degree of greatness will I manifest during that thousand years? Now that's a good question to ask because today you're preparing for that thousand years. Today you're preparing your greatness. So I didn't notice I was doing that. Oh, when you got up, your attitude, the way you treated people, how you, what you're carrying in your life, all of that was the preparatory. God's watching it all. 